So in this episode, unfortunately, I'm not with Tom this week, and so I'm going to do a solo episode. I'm actually in Los Angeles in the US for a premium training uh, camp that I've come over and spending four or five days here with, with the guys in, in this local community. And so in this podcast, I was thinking really interesting to discuss you know, the structure that these different countries and different cities have within their paddle and, and how that's affecting you know, the, the growth of the paddle community, the players, um, and you know, uh, eventually the, the club structure and the success of um, the sport. And one of the nice things about you know, what I'm doing at the moment is you know, I'm traveling quite you know extensively to different countries seeing their setup watching how you know the players and the coaches and the clubs interact to get an idea of the community i mean we obviously are you know one of the largest uh you know content producers um online and so it's really important to understand what our community need what they want and and you know how their paddle uh journey is so that we can you know basically improve that and it's been really interesting coming this week to LA because we're seeing that everyone that plays paddle in LA is basically playing at you know a, a small group of of privately owned courts and and these courts are you know a single court in the house of you know a, a, an individual and it's obviously quite a you know a wealthy area and so you know these are fantastic courts fantastic locations and and houses that you know that kind of owned by these individuals but it, it, it really reminds me of the start of paddle in Dubai in, in Dubai when I first started paddle there was you know the, the first public courts had just gone up um, but there are actually quite a lot of individuals that, that owned paddle courts and um, you know the, the sheikhs for example and, and, and their family and and their kind of close friends and it was it was almost a, a, at one point a status symbol to to have a paddle court in your house because it hadn't actually caught on and and what you were finding then is that it's it's often the the, the owner of the court or, or or the entourage of of the you know the, the these guys that that are playing the sport, and it's it's quite it's it's interesting. We've we've obviously discussed before you know the difficulties about having an individual court. You know obviously you know to play a proper game you've only got four people on the court at a time. You have to do you know these rotations and it's very difficult to to host a tournament for example or or grow the grow the game or grow numbers. Um, of the game, you know, juniors, things like that. It's very difficult with, with just one court. And the way that Dubai developed was, you know, these guys that had the individual court in their houses or their farms, they, they were bringing more and more people to the game. And, and, and it reached a point where the people playing wanted more access to paddle. And, and, and you know, I think we'll see the same here um, in LA in that, you know, th- th- there's now probably about 100 people playing and there's probably four or five privately owned courts. And at some point, people will want, you know, to bring more friends to the game and they'll want to play with other mates. And, and suddenly the, you know, the courts become a little bit too busy and, and, you know, someone will have the idea to say, right, let's set up a club. And, and that's really how it started in Dubai. And, and when there was one club, you know, that, that worked well, suddenly another club and another. And, and now, you know, in, in Dubai, we're almost talking 500 courts. And that is, you know, that growth has come over maybe eight to 10 years, but those first, you know, and I was working for the UAE Federation at the time and, and working for, for the Crown Prince. So I, I, I got to see all of this uh, unfold. And, and those first, you know, three to four years were, were quite slow as, as people were trying to work out how to do it. And then, you know, the last three years has, has been explosive growth. And, you know, this is, this is obviously, you know, these are two cases, Dubai and LA, and it's, it's a different kind of population here but you see 
different developments in different countries. You know, in the UK now, for example, it's not privately owned uh, courts that, that, that is growing the game, that the, the sport has come under the, the LTA, the, the British Federation. And, and now with their support, it's, it's tennis clubs now that are putting in one or two paddle courts. Yes, you have the same problem in that you can't host proper tournaments. You, you reach a, you know, a maximum threshold. And, you know, it won't be long now. I'm, I'm hoping that, that clubs will say, right, let's put in four or five paddle because we've seen that the one or two model, it doesn't really work. And then you have to go through all this planning, you know, permission and, and, and complication to get more courts in. And so, you know, I'm hoping that that will be part of the journey in the UK. But it's interesting that it has, you know, so quickly been attached to the tennis. And, and you know, the that the kind of other example is your your Nordics, your you know Sweden. You, it was really standalone clubs, and it started with you know some some big investors, and and you know Jonas Bjorkman was almost spearheading it at the beginning by building a you know a, I think it was a five or six court facility to begin with, um, and then you know you get on board people like Zlatan and they build their big centres and. And, and, you know, now it, if you look around, it's, it's a, a standalone model. Yes, there are tennis clubs that have paddle um, in Sweden, but the vast majority are, are standalone clubs. And, you know, I think that we are starting to see something similar in, in, in Denmark and, and Finland. And it's, it's really interesting. And I'm really hoping that Denmark and Finland learn the lessons of Sweden um, because, you know, Sweden, really, they have this explosive growth. You know, they're going up to almost 4,000 courts, but the, the, the infrastructure has not been in place. And so, so now they're going to have, you know, quite a difficult time, you know, putting structures in place. You know, things like junior programs at clubs, coach education and, and making sure that, you know, there's a standardization across all, all of their clubs that, they, you know, it's almost got to the point with almost 4,000 courts where, you know, the growth during that, the, the kind of COVID period meant that, you know, you could throw down a court. It didn't even matter if you had a, you know, a restaurant, or a bar or an academy or, you know, it was just literally people renting courts. And so, you know, that you come through that time and now the clubs are finding it really diff difficult to differentiate themselves. You know, the, the price of the courts has obviously lowered because it was you know, I think inflated during that time as well because of the demand. And so now in, in Sweden, they're going to have a, a readjustment because they need to, to get their coaches trained. They need to introduce these academies. They need to, they need to create something at their club that, that players want to go to. You know, they're, they're now competing amongst clubs, which is, which is an ideal situation for, for the best quality. It's not ideal for, for all of those clubs that, that have not had this in place and, and now are, are struggling financially and I don't think you know these these you know big kind of monster conglomerates that are purchasing all of these clubs are necessarily helping the situation because they don't have you know the passionate club owner that is driving the sport that their blood sweat and tears are, are in that club and therefore, you know, they're spending the time at the club. They're, they're building a nice social community. And, and it all is, is part of building a club community. And you then also look at, at countries where there's almost a bit of a hybrid. If you looked at, at Belgium and, and, and Holland, you do have your, your, your standalone clubs. You, but you also have, uh, you know, a strong presence in the tennis clubs. And, you know, and Holland is a, a really nice example and, and they've got 
their federation with with the tennis but but separated so that you know they can deliver their own brand they can you know make the sport kind of sexy in a way for people that they want you know they want to take it up they want to play and and it's great that they can almost they, they kind of gave it a bit of a facelift for the the paddle in holland and and, and now they're they're, they're going to reap the rewards for that because they've put in good content they're working really hard to to make that they've just held the, the world paddle tour amsterdam you know and, and i think that you know these countries like holland and belgium have have really kind of done things well you've got great juniors coming through you know they're they're top level the country teams are, are doing really well and so it's it's interesting to see how the sport is developing in all of these countries and and i say country because that's you know it's quite broad if you take the us for example and and the example we gave earlier was with la which i think is a a, a slightly different scenario you've also got you know miami and houston which is much more more club orientated they've got some big clubs in there and they've got lots of players that come to those clubs you've got las vegas as well and those are you know those are set up clubs and 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 stand alone for the most part there are some tennis clubs that that have a few paddle and and it's only a matter of time until you know the great the game gets gets some momentum over here um, and and some growth and you know, really, there's. I don't think there's a, necessarily a right way to do it or a wrong way to do it. But the importance of building a paddle community is is paramount. And and having a group that, you know, that they, they love to come down, they love to play, they love to socialise, you know, and 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 appreciating that it is different to tennis. And this is something that, again, in the UK, if the paddle goes under the tennis federation and and goes into a tennis club. There needs to be an appreciation of paddle by that club or by that federation that it is a different sport. And, and this is something that we're often saying to club managers or to coaches is that you wouldn't have a tennis coach if you put in, for example, squash courts in your club. You wouldn't have a tennis coach go and, you know, coach squash. You would either go and train a squash player to coach or you would get a squash coach you know into your club to to start developing the programs and i think it's the the moment that that clubs and and anyone involved in paddle whether it's a federation they, they start taking that approach that that is when we will see see real growth because there are education opportunities out there there are lots of companies you know that the paddle school is 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 one of one of several that are educating coaches and it's it really will be what, what makes the difference. And a bit like, you know, Sweden is experiencing now, it's very easy to have a massive growth of, of the game and have loads and loads of, of paddle and, and, you know, really see it take off and then consider the coaching afterwards. But, but by that stage, you, you've got thousands of, of coaches across the country that have not been trained, that have not been educated. And so then the players are at a point where, they understand that the coaching is not as as good as it could be, and so they then don't want lessons, and 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 you, you know that the cycle will continue like that. So it's it's so important to to get the infrastructure and the, and the ground roots in. And I know lots of people in in the UK that are talking about wanting to build a club and to to invest in paddle, and and you know they 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 see what's happened in the Nordics, and they think right, you know, here's an opportunity. And I think the fact that the planning permissions and and the councils and and the red tape you need to go through to build a club in the uk and i'm sure it will be the same in the us and and australia and germany and 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 certain countries that 
that process, while it might be frustrating for club managers or, or club owners or investors, it's actually buying them time to learn more about the game and to, to actually you know, dive deeper into how can they educate their, their coaches, how can they develop a community. Because from what I've seen, in, and, and this is not specifically UK, but in many countries, is you have, uh, I would say, a wealthy paddle enthusiast that says, I know I'll build a club. There's a demand, and so I'm going to build it. And, and I've seen many investor decks where we've got you know, three or four, you know, investors that are all, you know, playing three or four times a week, love the game. And they say, right, we're going to build a club. And and there's not a consideration of, hey, should we bring someone with paddle experience in and, and, and make sure that, you know, we set up the right programs, we set up the right structure, we have, you know, every infrastructure in place to grow a paddle community. They normally think, right, you know, I'm a businessman, I, I play a bit of paddle, I'm an enthusiast, let's put some courts down, I'll get it busy. And, and then that's fine to begin with while you, know, you go through a boom, but the moment you get competition and you get another club in your area, it's then being like, right, well, how will you differentiate? And at that stage, it's then quite difficult to introduce you know, the, the, the correct way of doing things. So my recommendation would be, you know, if you are in an area, whether you're a player, a coach, an investor, a manager, you know, if it is, is almost to say, right, how can we be part of this paddle community? How can we, we grow the game? What do we, what do we need to, to create a better infrastructure for players? And, and that is, you know, obviously our major focus is, is players. You know, they're, they're the, the kind of centre of our, our mission is, you know, the reason we do coach education is to help players improve. And, and the reason that we work with clubs is to, you know, drive players to the club and, and create a good atmosphere for the players. And the reason that we consult with federations and write their coach education material and things like that is, again, because the end user is, is the, 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 the customer is the player and we want them to, to really enjoy their paddle journey and experience. And, and the moment that clubs understand that, that concept and, and federations understand that concept that you know, the paddle community is, is the, the kind of beating heart of their club or their federation, that, then you will see real growth. And, and you know, the, as I said earlier, that there's not really, there's not a right way or a wrong way to do it. It's just, you know, whether you're a tennis club putting in paddle, you know, bear that in mind and have that consideration. Whether you're, you know, you know the owner of a private court and you've got more people coming, just bear that in mind that, you know, are you doing this because you want to, to play a match, you know, two or three times a week and you like the exercise or are you trying to develop the community? And I'm not saying you have to develop the community. If, if you are not and, and the objective is, you know, a bit of activity and to play fun with friends, then absolutely brilliant. Crack on with that and, and, and enjoy that. But if you are going for the development, then, you know, this infrastructure piece is, is really, really important. So now answering one of our player questions from our community this week, and, and actually it's a related question because they've asked, if I want to improve my level, I'm in, and I think it's Finland that they're, they're located, um, and I don't have access to good coaches, is my only option to go to Spain? And this is you know, a, a question that we're, we're getting asked a lot, not just at a recreation level, but also, you know, as a performance, as a junior um, and as a coach. And and I think that it, it depends on, on your objective. It depends on, you know, which of those you are. Um, 
you know, as an example, I think, you know, for coaches, you, you actually can get some great coaching material in your country, um, maybe in a different sport, because I think the, the big key to coaching is, you know, your, your communication, your organization, demonstration, understanding how a lesson structure works, understanding, you know, how you can get the best out of your, your student. And, and I think that is almost more important than, you know, being able to hit a fantastic vibra, for example. And, and that information, you, you probably actually would find it easier in your country than you would do in Spain to get that type of information, for example. But as a player, I mean, I think it's a fantastic experience to go to Spain and, and to, to get training and, and to experience the, the clubs, the, the setup there, you know, have, have some, some good matches because often they do have, you know, a, they've got more players. They've got more players at all the different levels. So you will be able to find players that you can train with and, and you will find some nice clubs that will put together, uh, you know, nice trainings for you. My, my, only reservation in it is that it's a short-term solution and and it's it's you know great to go there and, and to spend a, a week in there and and it will only be beneficial or, or or long-term successful if you can bring your learnings back into your your regular lifestyle it's like you know it, it's it's like trying to eat healthier and 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 trying to you know lose weight for example is like you know it, it has to be a a dietary lifestyle change as opposed to a a short you know week-long diet you know that that's and and i almost see that your your paddle learning in the same way is like yes go for a week absolutely but whatever you learn in that week bring that into your your lifestyle and 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 to how you train and to how you play and 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 really take on board that that training because we are in a stage now where there's whichever country you're in whether it is finland or or, or most of these kind of paddle developing countries where you don't have access to a coach all the time and you might not have access to you know the the, the ideal player for you to to improve and so that doesn't mean that you can't focus on these important areas of your game and make improvements. You just need to be a little bit more kind of dedicated about it and a little bit more focused each time you go on court as to what you're going to work on. But absolutely, you know, going to Spain can can be really good. It can be it can be eye-opening and it can, you know, help you understand, you know, parts of your game. And and I would say that now actually you wouldn't even need to necessarily be Spain. You could go to a really good academy in Sweden or Italy or, you know, Belgium or Holland, you know, and, and, and get equally good learning at, at these clubs and these facilities. But if you can't bring it back and, and bring it into a game on a regular basis, then it's going to be difficult to see consistent improvement. So that concludes our podcast for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe and, and, and give us a, a nice review um, on whichever platform you're listening to. And I will see you on the next one with Tom next week. 